what do we got just the two of us just the two of us <laughs> make it if we try hello my friends thank you for joining us for the pebcac podcast a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people it is week 18 of 2023 i'm chris louis and happy i got to see my co-host this week for rsa with me i do not have my co-host brian Nietzsche who crushed 10 Moscow meals one night, and we're still waiting for him to wake up. <laughs> Cray- crazy good times, wasn't it, uh, Chris? And yeah, unbelievable. Good times Can, indeed. Should I do my 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 uh, my, my uh, Brian impersonation here? Like, if you Go fart in a forest, does anyone hear it? <laughs> I, this is my Brian version. I'm... 230 pounds of twisted steel, sex appeal, women want to date me, men want to be me, dogs want to be friends with me. But still, no one wants to be me. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the good thing about the host that's not here. We always get to troll them. Yes, absolutely. But we do have Glenn Medina, who absolutely crushed it on booth duty this week. Hey, guys. Thanks, Chris, for having me back. Appreciate it. It was a good time. I mean, I, I thought I had a I had a, had a really good time. I, this was probably one of the busiest RSAs that I've been to. Been doing this for many years now, and I've got I've to say, I feel like things are back in the swing of things post-COVID. I was talking to some of our coworkers about that. So I, I think my first RSA was 2011. So it's been 12 years minus the one year for the pandemic when it was canceled. So I think this has been my 11th one. Oh, man, I'm old. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I heard ranges from like 30,000 to 40,000 people. And it, it felt like that. It felt it massive. It felt like a lot more. It felt like a really lot more. So... Um, it was good. I, it, it, I, I don't know about you, but it felt like a class reunion of people. I thought last year was, it was good to see people, but even this year it was like people that I didn't see last year that I was running into. So pretty cool from that, from that standpoint. Yeah. It's one part networking, one part vendors, and then one part, just a one giant reunion. I, I, for one, uh, I don't know if it was anything to do with where I was at this, this, for this year's RSA, but highly, highly busy. I think, uh, I, I don't think I've ever had booth duty like that ever. So it was uh, amazing. And I do want to thank everyone for who I saw and visited. And if I missed you, man, let's, let's connect, let's get together. Yeah. And some friends of the show too. People recognize me, Chris from Zscale that did the podcast. So we, we did get some recognition there yeah it was fun (laughs) unbelievably fun it's like hey i'm a long time listener first time uh in person meet you and i was like wow that's actually cool but we should have done something Uh, i'm i'm still shocked and amazed chris that we did not do something live at the show even try to record something uh it would have been yeah meeting meeting the three of us meeting up was hard enough i don't know if we would have been able to get something recorded but Maybe next year, or if we all make it a black cat, we'll do another live episode there. Oh, that would be good. We did do it live last year, didn't we? But I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I'm a little burnt out. It's a little too early for me to say that I'd like to go to a another show, but uh, we'll see. 
Uh, Friday night, you have to go. We'll meet up there. <sighs> Thanks. There goes the peer pressure, everyone. You see this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you couldn't tell already, no guests this week. This is actually the first time it's been a two-man show for in, in quite a while, so we'll see how that goes. But even then, combined, we have decades of information security experience and here, not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Just a reminder, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Podcast. The videos go up the same time the audio is released every week. This week, we're going to talk about supply chain attack inception, Apple's lockdown mode works, for our third topic, a new nightmare born from AI-generated voice, and we'll close with return to work talk. Boo. For our first topic, do you remember Exhibit in the Pimp My Ride days when he used to host that show? Yeah. Yeah. Put a screen the inside meme... a fender. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the meme was born of, yo, dog, I heard you like TV, so he put a TV in your TV. Well, <laughs> yeah. yo, dog, I heard you like supply chain attacks. So we supply chain attack your supply chain attack. The 3CX hack was in the news, but we didn't really cover it because it got enough mainstream media coverage at the time. The popular VoIP phone and communication software got a Trojan update that installed a backdoor for North Korean hackers into the legitimate VoIP software. So North Korea hacked into this company, 3CX, changed their build server, pushed out a malicious update. It was a legitimate update, but it had a backdoor in it and compromised 3CX's customers. Well, the story doesn't end there. 3CX hired Mandiant for their incident response and found out that they were hacked through another supply chain attack. They attacked a company called Trading Technologies to push Trojanized software builds of their ex-trader stock trading software, which means the North Koreans first hacked trading technologies to push the poisoned update. It just so happens a developer for 3CX downloaded the Trojan version of XTrader on his personal computer, and then the North Korean hackers obtained the 3CX's developer's credentials by installing a keylogger. Ultimately, North Korea was targeting cryptocurrency companies you steal to steal more cryptocurrency, so it seems like they were trying to kill a flea with a bazooka. Like This was a legitimate like a legitimately good supply chain attack and all they wanted to do was steal some magic internet money. They they could have went wild with this. When you think about the SolarWinds supply chain attack and the damage they did, North Korea could have done something similar. Scary. Really scary. So I think if I if I'm looking at this, are, are we we're pretty positive that all it was is they were looking for it was just some some magic money, like you called it. Yeah, yeah, they were targeting cryptocurrency exchanges. I think they inf successfully infected two. I don't know if they made out with any money, but if, I guess two of the three CX's customers were cryptocurrency companies, and North Korea got into their systems. But I think they caught it before it did any major damage. And hats off to Sentinel One. So Sentinel One was actually the one that first detected it. Uh, I think 3CX downloaded the legitimate update. It's off all kinds of alarms on Sentinel-1 and people were complaining and then 3CX is like, no, no, false positive, let it through. False positive, let it through. Some people allow listed it and then sure enough, Sentinel-1 was right. This was a Trojan update that had a remote access tool in it. Wow. 
you know, I was reading this and it was like the Somatic Threat Hunter team. And I was like, Somatic Threat Hunter team? Their enterprise division or their consumer division? But okay. But you said you called out Sentinel One. I don't I don't I don't remember seeing Sentinel One in the in the story. Yeah, it was uh, it was Sentinel One that or, I I know they were one of the original ones that caught it and, and threw up a noise. Okay. About it. I don't know, maybe they might not have been the first one, but they were the most in the news reporting that their EDR software caught this you know, before three CX even found out about it. Wow! Wow! Oh man, patch your systems, and if you patch your systems, be afraid, be very afraid. How do you win? How do you win, Chris? I think it's defense in depth. I think that's that's the ultimate solution here. That even if it got through your network filter or your firewall and you have all this allow listing software to only run, you know, authorized binaries from authorized signers, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's still ultimately it it got through. It was an EDR software that said, Hey, this computer's doing this piece of software's doing something funny to the stack. Let's yeah. let's let's take another look into this. And, and that's why we always preach defense in depth. You know, Sentinel One's not going to catch everything. Your firewall is not going to catch everything. But you hope in aggregate, something along the line will will help you catch everything or as close to everything as you can. So wait, wait, wait. You think this was done by a dropper and something on the internet, and they got dropped, or was it just like a phishing attack? I'm trying to read into this a little bit more. I guess X Trader has to hire a manian to find out how they got into their systems first. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm guessing, and you know, I have a, I have like a ninety five percent chance of being correct, but I'm guessing it started with some kind of phishing attack. They got into this software company, poisoned yeah. their update, got into another software company, poisoned their update, and then the yeah. chain just goes on from there. Yeah, uh, man, what can you say? You know, fast and fast and you know, fast and furious here with first with. How some of the like, these companies are standing up their networks, but man, unbelievable story here. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. This is, this is like, how do you get backdoored twice? I think the other interesting trend is the dwell time. I read a report. I don't remember who put it up, but they said the dwell time between when the hackers get into the network and launching their attacks is gone down significantly. I think it's down to maybe like fourteen days now. It used to be six months. They poke around the network for six months and try to maximize the damage, but now they're like in out fourteen days. We got your data, we encrypted it. Give us our money. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I think that that shows here that they compromise this one company, they immediately compromise another company, and then they just tried to get access to this magic yeah. internet money. It just makes you wonder, like, are they using ChatGPT to get that to all time to go lower? Some type of AI. It's, it, yeah, I guess there's, there's two sides of that coin. So you, you bring up a good point. One, they're getting more sophisticated, so they don't need to dwell in as mm-hmm. long anymore with using tools like ChatGPT or just developing better malware. The flip side of that, the glass half full side of it, is that our detections are getting way better. So you, you cannot dwell inside a company six months now without being detected. That's that's the hope. That's the positive way of looking at it. But as we know, <clears throat> T-Mobile... <clears throat> Attackers can be inside your network for months and you just have no idea. Yeah. Nice. Scary. Really scary. Yeah. One of the two will be true and it'll take some time to figure out which one's correct. We'll find out. Maybe we can do a follow-up on this and 
go through it and as far as like where was where 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 was the where was the issue right where was how did it happen and how did it only had to take two weeks to dwell yeah yeah for sure for our second topic it score a huge victory for apple's security team for the first time publicly since apple introduced lockdown mode in ios 16 Citizen Lab is reporting that lockdown mode successfully stopped a zero-day exploit on iPhones running iOS 16. The infamous NSO group released three nasty zero-click remote code execution exploits that were true zero-days that Apple did not know about. However, one Saudi activist had their phone in lockdown mode, and they were immediately notified and the exploit was blocked. Now, let's take a step back here. So for our listeners that haven't listened to all every episode when we covered lockdown mode, lockdown mode is a mode you can put your iPhone and your Mac in, which severely restricts some of the features on your device, but it's those features that are commonly exploited. So something like the, the JIT compiler in Safari, it disables that because there's problems with potential problems with that. Loading link previews. So if somebody sends you a link through iMessage, it gives you a nice preview of it. That's a convenience feature, but that's also been exploited. Uh, HomeKit, the home automation tool, it disables that. So the exploit here involved a bug in Apple's HomeKit. That's the automation framework that Apple uses to perform home automation tasks. The Saudi activist's phone showed on the lock screen that a user was attempting to install and use HomeKit on the device to perform a jailbreak to install the Pegasus spyware. I've taken a look at the exploit, and it's actually it's really impressive work that the NSO group did. I'll if I find a link through it, I'll I'll link through it. But it was crazy what they did with this this PDF that they they sent this activist. However, lockdown mode stays one step ahead of the attacker, so even if the vulnerability is unknown, it's able to block it. I'm confident there were cheers and high fives amongst the Apple team that developed lockdown mode, and I hope more people use it if they are in a vulnerable or targeted group for government level spyware. Yeah, I firmly like the lockdown mode feature. I think we had talked about it in our previous episodes, and I think even Brian was the first, uh, you know, with in our group to talk about it. In fact, there's some a couple things that we we you know recommendations from. Or that, you know, not discussions that we've had within our own podcast where you institute, right, the separation of your, your, was it your ID from your visual password, um, your Apple ID for visual password. I did that a couple of weeks ago. In fact, knowing that I was going to go to RSA, I still haven't yeah. turned on lockdown mode yet. I'm still, I'm a little afraid of what that's going to do to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think once it gets more granular, because right, right now it's, it's all or nothing. You're either yeah. in lockdown mode or you're not. Like yeah. for me, I never use HomeKit. I would like to disable HomeKit. I don't want that giant attack service. But there are some features in that lockdown mode turns off that I am interested in. So I can just turn off those, then be, have it more granular. I think they'd probably get a lot more traction. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't use HomeKit either. And I, I, I just wish there are things that you could disable, right? It's like, okay, based off of these things, this is what they're going to do. And you're going to get done from lockdown mode. But being able to pick and choose would be really cool. Right. Like I, 
I would never expect someone legitimate to send me a PDF over iMessage. I would say, send in an email or give it to me another way. I don't want PDFs through iMessage. So I should have the ability to turn that off because one of these zero days was a maliciously crafted PDF sent through iMessage and it became a zero-click remote code execution vulnerability. Mm. Mm. But uh, I'm also not a member of the press that's researching cartel violence, and I'm not a political dissident. I wouldn't consider myself a highly targeted group, but it, it, it'd still be nice to be able to turn these things off. Well, I think we did raise our our our, our risk level a little bit by just having a social presence on the internet called the pod the pepcat podcast so <laughs> we may not think that we're not um being targeted I, I think we we may be now so <laughs> yeah that's that whole thing that like we talked about a couple episodes about voice authentication like there's mm-hmm. day literal days worth of our voice out there on the internet it's so easy with ai now like they just need a few words that they can synthesize your voice to say whatever you want and just think of the data set they'd have for us, which is why you know, I, I would never use it as a single factor like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I talk about a lot, a lot of this with my own customers today. While we talk about doing like browser enforcement to certain applications, um, it, but in order to do that, you have to apply that with a SaaS application, right? Uh, or not SaaS. You have to apply that from an IDP uh, to get to that SaaS application. I wish there was a way that you could do some additional controls for the consumer side of, of, of access, like, you know, accessing your bank, you have to do it from a certain browser or, or even a certain method of access other than MFA. Right. Uh, Cause right now, like I think with some, with a couple banks, they're still using like uh like a MMS based uh, SMS based um you know, step up authentication yeah, factor. Yeah, second yeah. factor. I don't agree with that, but like I said, I I, I don't know. I, I'm just at that point. It's like I'm getting ready to buy a YubiKey because I do want that additional level of security. Yeah, I would love to use a YubiKey. It's just so few companies support it. It's, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it, yeah. it. What this is very similar to the argument we as security practitioners make. You know, we we sell security, and obviously there there are people on the customer side that that buy it, and it. it the saying an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is true. Like spend a hundred thousand dollars on a security solution and you won't be paying $10 million in, in ransom or business disruption down the line. It, it's similar. If you, just, if every bank gave everybody a user, a Yubi key, they could hand them out. It, it costs them some money, but that return that they would get in terms of, you know, fewer financial losses, less fraud, things like that. I mean, it'd pay off a hundredfold. I'm I'm positive yeah. about that. But, you know, it's all about user convenience, though. So I get it. Fraud, such a thing. But uh, yeah, it'd be wondering, it'd be interesting to see, like, I mean, the, the, the rate that like you and I would be able to do something like that. But how would the average person like my wife, my mom, be able to use something like a YubiKey or something else in order to to provide that extra level of effort to get into their banking? And how many people would actually want to in, in, partake in that, right? Yeah, I, I, I guess the flip side of that, playing devil's advocate, is the, the number of help desk tickets of I lost my YubiKey or how do I use my YubiKey would skyrocket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I got to figure that that's less than you know, a single account takeover and losing, you know, 300K in customer deposits or something. But yeah, not my decision. That's why I don't work at a bank. Yeah. 
Well, think banking, it, just even things like your email, because I, I was walking, you know, my daughters through like how easy it is to just do a password reset on your main email. And that gives you basically access to all your other accounts, especially Everything, if you tie yeah. yeah, yeah, you tie it to, to, to all your other accounts. And it's like, they, they, and their eyes just open wide. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was that easy. So yeah, and just think if you're a sim swapper like let's say i'm i'm somebody who brags online that i have a ton of cryptocurrency well i'm i'm going to be targeted i'm going to be hacked i'm going to get sim swapped they're going to steal my email then they're going to reset my coinbase account yeah it's just it's one part stepping up your security it's another part it's don't don't be an idiot online and brag about how much money you have either I, I don't, don't make yourself a target yeah and i don't know if that's associated with one one of the podcasts we just had where you know if you get locked out of your iphone dude did we share that with each other where you know i, I guess that thing about you know you're uh resetting your apple, apple password that was last week yeah. right when we had that discussion where yeah, people are yeah. getting locked out of their uh, apple account and they can't even reset it even though they can prove and validate that it is them yeah it's related to that story about the mom giving their kid the phone and him yeah. buying robux that thieves because they want to remove the the apple id lock on it because mm -hmm. the apple implemented that if it's logged in with apple id you cannot reset the device basically because to prevent someone from stealing your phone and, and reselling it but what the criminals found out if they unlock your phone with the passcode they could coerce it out of you they could guess it they could shoulder surf it yeah. out of you they could they could perform a password reset on the apple id and apple with their true zero knowledge trust no one level of security there's a we cannot help you you yeah. can prove you are who you say you are all you want. We've made it cryptographically impossible for us to do that. And that's by design. That's a privacy yeah. measure. Yeah. Sorry it didn't work out for you, but we yeah. value privacy. Hey, t take that a step forward, right? Because we, we all love our Macs. We all love our Apple devices. Love it, hate it. It doesn't matter. There's, I mean, I think the the prevalence of of, of using Apple devices has just gone through the roof in the enterprise, not just for consumer right we're talking i'm talking about the uh, i'm talking about the enterprise here and i was talking to a customer this week and she made a really interesting comment she said hey if i log into my corporate mac i don't set up a corporate apple id there's no there's no tie to the corporation right so from that from that from that standpoint apple's kind of failed where i can't set up a pers a work persona because that's not how it is. You set up your own personal, you know, use your own um, personal Apple ID, and therefore you kind of bridge that gap between personal and work. Um, but they, I, again, I was, I was ta I kind of taken aback. I, I had to sit there and like kind of process what she was telling me, and it was, it was a, it was an interesting situation where you know you're, you have a corporate asset, but you're using your personal Apple ID in order to gain access to certain things, right? And like I said, it's that bridge there that really doesn't set apart the side that it's an enterprise grade versus business versus uh, versus consumer. Well, there's MDM for that. So you can have MDM manage the device and that, that way you can do like remote wipe. You could block certain things. Right. So you could enroll it in MDM. The other the other side of that is Apple offers a program called a supervised device. So you buy it sp directly from Apple. They configure it for, you know, Corporation XYZ and then through Corporation XYZ's admin console, then they can fully manage the device straight from the factory. 
because mm. they Apple's had the T2 security chip in it. It's impossible to bypass because it's at the hardware layer, which is similar to, I think we've talked about it before, where you see those idiots breaking into Apple stores and just stealing the display Macs. Yeah. It's like, good luck being able to use that. That thing's you know a supervised device from Apple. It's got to be a brick. I mean, at best, you can use it for parts. Hey, but maybe that's all they're looking for is people just want the parts, right? And do something with it. And maybe there's a, there's, <laughs> they call it the Apple chop shop. We're only yeah, wanting to do right. is get parts for it. Cause those video displays, I mean, I, here's one for you. I went, I went, I have a, I have a one year old, a uh, little over a one year old uh, Mac M1 uh, 16, right? 16, 16 inch. 16 inch MacBook yeah. Pro. Yeah. And one of the keys was acting really funny. And I was like, what is this? And I went to the store, set up an appointment, went in, and they're like, well, um, we'll we'll try and fix it, but know that if we can't, it the the keyboard is fifteen hundred dollars, and I'm like, wait a minute, this Mac well, laptop's was, not worth that much. Well, well it's <laughs> not now, right? It. Yeah, it's like what the just a, just the letter A is the only thing that's causing me problems. How is it that the whole keyboard is like, you know, like sixteen hundred dollars? It's just like that. It's like the laptop when I bought it brand new was thirty two hundred dollars. How could the cost of the laptop be? You know, half, I mean, how could the keyboard be the half the price? Yeah, yeah, the letter A. Like, are you kidding me? So those yeah. are things you kind of sit there and you go, what? This makes no sense. All right. Maybe it is lucrative to seal those display models and part it out. Could be. <laughs> Just have to have a competent tech. I can yeah. imagine like some ludicrous guy in, in, in the background, some nerd just parting these things out and yeah. selling them piece by piece. <laughs> Could you imagine the auction house for this is like, and going right now, the letter A on a Mac keyboard <laughs> going for $100. Normally retails for $1,500. Yours are only 100 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever it costs for the next yeah. hit. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. All it was was a piece of lint underneath the, the thing. But I just the, I, the thought that you had to get it replaced, or if it did have to be replaced, that the car that was going to cost you $1,600 is ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Right right to repair will make a good topic for another yeah. podcast. I know well, Apple's. Go ahead. The right to repair. Apple's being forced to do it, but being forced to do it in a. They found some interesting workarounds that I'll, I'll save it for another topic in case yeah. we talk about it. Well, it goes to the same thing, right? With Tesla, right? The, the replace the battery costs, you know, almost the, the price of a brand new Tesla, right? It makes no sense. Ooh, I actually have something related to that. I My, my Tesla developed a squeak and uh -oh. I set up an appointment to get it serviced. And when I looked, I looked online, it's anywhere between 700 and 1400 bucks. But then somebody found a hack to do it at home for less than 20 bucks so i order the stuff i will report next week if i got rid of my squeak for 20 bucks and saving me 1400 bucks or not i could save you at least another 12 bucks where you just go get some, yourself some wd-40 sprayed on the part and squeak go away <laughs> yeah i will report back on that I'm, I'm excited to see if i can beat tesla at their own game on this one let's do that for our third topic, an investigation from Vice's motherboard is reporting a terrifying new trend, swatting as a service. They traced much of this activity to a particular account on Telegram called TorSwats, which uses synthesized voices to pressure law enforcement to a specific location. We've talked about swatting before. 
That's where someone uses an internet voice over IP or VoIP service, or they spoof their phone number to conceal their identity and location, and they call 911 or 112, whatever the emergency number is for that country, and falsely report a crime in progress, hoping police will kick in the door. This was popular with famous Twitch streamers to get the police to raid someone's house while they were live streaming on Twitch. It's a prank, and sometimes it can even have deadly consequences. Sometimes bored teenagers call in fake bomb threats to their local school so they don't have to take a test for that day. For the low price of $75, Torswat says they will close down a school. For $50, Torswat says customers can buy extreme swattings in which authorities will handcuff the victim and search the house. Torswat says they offer discounts to returning customers and can negotiate prices for famous people and targets such as Twitch streamers. Sounds like we've reached a new low here. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, just, I don't want to be like, this is cool or this is like really scary. I've listened to some of the recordings. I think the recordings f- get released if somebody dies, potentially, like the 911 call. Mm-hmm. I've heard it and it, it really is chilling, like hearing what they're saying. Like, there was. One case, I think this was the case in, I want to say it was Kansas, uh, the, 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 the case of mistaken um, address. The, the two kids online playing Call of Duty, one side said, come at me, bro. And it's like, yeah, I live at 123 Fake Street, you know, come fight me. And then uh-huh. the other guy swats 123 Fake Street. It was just some random dude like that got it got caught in it. And basically he says, this is the caller impersonating somebody. He says, oh, I've... Uh, I I hired a woman to spend time with me. I've murdered her. I'm going to kill myself. Or I'm going to kill other people. And then I live at 123 Fake Street. I need someone to come and stop me. And then that's when they bring yeah. up the SWAT team. And the SWAT team got there and they just saw like a family eating dinner. And you would think that would have set off a red flag that says, okay, I, that's not normal behavior when someone just murders somebody that a family sits down and eats dinner. But yeah, they, they still kicked in the door. And yeah, those, that was a... That was a whole mess uh, from from that. Yeah. So, what did I want to say? I just, I, I'm, just, I'm just so lost on this, right? That the idea, like maybe this, uh, this, you know, vice motherboards, they, they, uh, it not the whether the investigation is from them, but it's like, do they, do they look at, you know, they a. A call routing, right? It's like, okay, you say these words, they indicate these things. So maybe you think they got like the recipe book on what dictates if you say this word so many times from a from a run book scenario at the police station that that'll kick off a a SWAT scenario. Do you think they got that recipe? I I think so, and I think it, this could also work both ways too because there are. Like, like if you say, you know, I, I killed someone and, you know, that that's it. They just might send a squad car and, and come and collect and arrest you. But if you say, oh, I'm, there's an imminent threat. I've got a rifle. I'm pointing it out the window at people. Or uh, I've, I've set up bombs at my front door. Like, they know the trigger words to get the SWAT team out there and not just yeah. some squad car. But I, I think on the other side of it, this is possibly where you could use a large language model like like chat gpt feed the transcript as it's read live and say is this legitimate does the person sound stressed does it sound like somebody that just killed someone and then specifically for this case in in kansas i remember 
on the 911 call, the, the caller asks, oh, where, where'd you meet this woman? And then the, the fake caller says, oh, I picked her up from a bar that's a few kilometers away. And like, well, that seems really odd to be talking about kilometers if you're supposedly in Kansas. Like Something like that should have yeah. set off a red flag as well. But I mean, hindsight's 2020. 911 calls and, and law enforcement are in very high-stress situations. You can't take any chances, but still, you know, after the fact, there are all these red flags there that should have known that that this was a prank. And maybe we can, you know, apply AI to this to have what's the likelihood that this is a prank versus this is a real threat. Yeah, how, how bad has society gotten now that we're commoditizing the ability to do this and, and do it with, uh, was it audio AI with voice AI? Is... Yeah, no person needed. I <laughs> yeah. just I just type crap into my keyboard and I, I, somebody, I can get someone swatted. Like, yeah, what, what oh, does this world my. come to? Yeah, uh, I, I I just remember I, my dad, uh, rest his, God rest his soul. I mean, he used to tell me, he's like, Len, if you get in trouble, I, I'm in the military. If you get in trouble, I'm going to leave you in jail overnight. Like, there was no discussion about it. And then it, and when you do, when I do pick you up and I get you home, I'm going to beat the crap out of you for doing something so stupid, right? <laughs> it's like, where, where has the world gotten that where we don't have uh, punishment like that? I call it the Asian dad punishment where, <laughs> man, you were just really scared of your dad. Right, right. Yeah, so. I, I think a couple things partially to blame. One is call spoofing. And call spoofing has gotten out of hand. We, we've seen it. We get the spam calls. We get the spam text that there's no authentication whatsoever so anybody can spoof whoever they are i think if we force people to use real phone numbers that would make it at least harder if they can't spoof it and then the other one would be you know kyc know your customer protocols for voip services now there's going to be a fine line because some people value privacy but at at some point if this keeps getting out of hand like i, I would think like the popular services you have to have something you have to have a landline you have to have an ID. You have to have a legitimate SMS text message number, not some Google Voice number. Mm-hmm. Just making it harder for them to be able to spoof their calls or to spin up, you know, thousands of these fake phone numbers. Yeah, unbelievable. But man, uh, I just like I said, I, I maybe I was raised the right way, and I don't have a I don't have a nasty bone in my body. I do think of nasty things, but this is pretty amazing that people are doing these types of things. Yeah. Maybe I'm just like raised raised incorrectly here <laughs> i would say you're raised properly you've never swatted yeah. or <laughs> phoned in a bomb threat that i know of well yeah well, let's just leave it at that <laughs> for our last topic it'll be a rotating topic every week this week we're going to talk about return to work incentives and punishments We've heard on the news that companies like Meta and Apple are requiring people to come in at least three days a week or face possible termination. We are slowly returning to a two and then three and soon a five five in-office work week again. However, a law firm is taking a slightly different approach to return to work using honey instead of vinegar. The law firm in question is going to base employee bonuses on their attendance records. That means workers who come into the office more often will be eligible for larger bonuses. I think this model is fair since bonuses are by nature optional for employers and meant to drive and reward certain behaviors. And if someone wants to stay 100% remote, they are more than welcome to and make their base pay and forgo any bonuses. I think letting the market factors take their course. If somebody wants to make more, they go in. If not, they're happy. They don't think it's worth it. Then they get to stay home. 
slippery slope. You could have the best employee in the world that never shows up. And sometimes you just don't want them to show up at the office because they're the type of engineer you want to lock behind a door or maybe even a Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and there, you know, there's New York Times articles. There's, you know, studies that Meta has done that said people that it go in the office are often more productive and they get better work done. But, you know, there's there's also the, the flip side of that. It's like, do I want to spend two hours commuting to work every day or do you want me behind the screen two hours doing actual yeah. real work. Yeah, I, I think you and I are probably in this work scenario where we don't necessarily have to be in the office. I don't think I've gone into the office since 2010, like officially. So when COVID hit, it was like, oh, we're forced to work from home. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I've been doing this work from home for stuff for quite 10 some years. time. Yeah. yeah, for 10 plus years. This is this is unusual, right? Um yeah, but to hear that people are getting forced to go back to the office, I just, I, I kind of laugh. So, yeah, I, I think people will start choosing companies that allow them to work the way they want to work. I know, I think it's JP Morgan. I think it's referenced in this article, JP Morgan. If you're like senior director or above, it's five days a week or go find somewhere else to work. Mm -hmm. And people will, right? I, I think that was the trend. Uh, in, in a good market, you could push. You can't necessarily push that where there's plenty of jobs, there's open positions everywhere, the economy's doing great, you want quality employees, you kind of have to not worry about that stuff. But do you think this is the arm twisting of the economy that's allowing employers to go, hey, um, if you don't come in, the answer is you don't get paid, so go find another job, right? Right, right, yeah. So. Yeah, I've I've seen so on the the carrot side, so the incentive side, I've seen free food, live entertainment, free lunch, you know, kegerator, you know, beer in the fridge, and then on the flip side of that, I've seen the stick side of that, where you know, one of the examples here is less pay, less bonus, or even up to termination. Yeah, but what happens if you do go back to the office, and the you know the economy is not so great, so you you went back to the office, and your employer says, okay, there's no free food. And by the way, we took away water. You know, you want your own coffee. You get, you're going to have to bring your own pot. And so they force you to go back. And it's like because the economy is in such a bad downturn, they have to take these things anyway. And I've been in those situations where during economic downturns, they took water away. They took coffee away. And you're sitting there going, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like, what is going on? And Yeah, why even come back in at this point? Yeah, yeah. And you <laughs> compare that to, like, it's funny because I remember that in, like, 2006. 2008 when the economy was kind of taken to hit, hitting a crapper in that 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 but in those recessions and you hear about companies like the the startups right the linkedins the 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 facebooks the metas whatever yeah, the google at the time yeah. and google and you're like come on in we're gonna we had we got chefs cooking our foods you know and got dog walking we, services yeah, dry cleaning we have beer just like you talked about we got a kegerator you know as long as you don't crack it open before three everything's pretty cool but after that you know you can do whatever you want and it's like uh Really? <laughs> so yeah, no. yeah. I know Google. Part of their cost cutting measures, like they took out the peanut M and M's from the the break room, and they're making people use their laptops longer and not buying staplers and stuff. I said, really? Like that? That's where you want to cut cost? Yeah. Well, Twitter. I mean, look how much money Elon has saved Twitter. I think it's four hundred million a year just in catering costs and food costs. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's another interesting one. He's he's cut like eighty percent of the staff, and the site. Everybody said the site would crash and burn after that, and it, it's still up for me at least. You know, <laughs> it might not be running as efficiently as some people want, but I haven't noticed a difference. Yeah, yeah. Have you? I, I guess the question is, have you ever seen an outage, a Twitter outage, in the last since Elon's taken over? I think there has been maybe one or two, but not to the detriment of like whole service platform outages, like yeah, like this past week. Like, yeah. hey, did you know power was out in San Francisco for a certain part of the city? Yeah, it was. I, I, I saw that. Yeah, I had co-workers. This is amazing. Uh, staying at the Hilton downtown financial district. Um, and power went out at 9 o'clock at night. And we were heading back to the hotel after a nice day of having, you know, a meal. And uh, they said that the power had gone out. And it's, you know, certain parts of Chinatown. They lived, some of them were on the 25th, 26th, and 29th floor. And they were thinking that the power was going to come back on in a couple hours. And it didn't come fast forward uh, almost, what was it, almost 12 hours. And it t- checkout time. And so they all had to walk up the flight of 25, 26, and 29 <laughs> floors to get their luggage and make it to their flight. Get to the room, yeah. And mind you, some of them did not 27 get 27 floors back yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, and and mind you, some of them did not get hygiene after being out, you know, that late, right? So they were uh, you know, I, I you know, we were we were you know, as a group, we were trying to get you know, places for them like others that did were not affected in our in in other hotel rooms to help them get showers and get cleaned up. And it was all oh, just ugly. It was an ugly yeah. situation at RSA. You're accepting the refugees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. You to open up your home to them, Glenn. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, pool's open. Come on in. So <laughs> there's your shower. That's shower it. in the pool. <laughs> All right, well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, I'm up. Here we go. Drum roll. Sorry. I was nearly arrested for making my coffee too strong. Fortunately, the grand jury determined that there were insufficient grounds. Oh, wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Everyone loves a good coffee joke. That's it. All right, to wrap things up, 3CX got hacked through a supply chain inception. Apple's lockdown mode really works. Do turn it on if you're in a targeted or vulnerable group. AI voice-generated swatting attacks are coming. And market forces will determine returning to work. Well, no Brian this week, but let's hope we didn't lose any listeners. So I hope we were entertaining (laughs) enough. Absolutely. Maybe if anything, we'll gain listeners. Oh, that's right. We'll we'll see. Yeah, we, we didn't upset some of our listeners by listening, having to listen to Brian and his rants. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pebcac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rate us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is a search for the Pebcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. My co-host Glenn Medina. I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Bye, Felicia. Have a nice day. <laughs>